Hello and welcome to another episode of the How to Scale a Business podcast. My name is Hector Santi Esteban and I'm your host for today. Our guest of honor is Mr. Chris Cooper. He's the founder of Two Brain Business and we're going to talk about what we always talk about and that's scaling a business. So Chris, welcome to the show. Thanks for hanging out with us. Thanks, Hector. It's already been awesome. I appreciate that. It's always good to talk to someone else who is familiar with doing this whole podcasting thing. It seems to become more of the norm, which I'd imagine... I don't know if you grew up thinking that you were going to be like a podcaster or thinking that you were going to be creating content or doing what you do now, but take us as far back as you think is relevant in your journey and then catch us up on maybe some key points along the way and as well as what you're doing now with some of your clients. Sure. As a kid, I had two wants in life. and One was to be a radio announcer and the other one was to own a backhoe and I'm 50% there. I've got a podcast now, but no, none of us could have predicted that we would own our media, but that is really key to our story. I owned a gym. All right. Still do own a gym. I opened a gym in 2005, did not know what I was doing. Almost went bankrupt. My house was on the line. We had a new baby. My wife had left her job and I finally figured out, I don't know how to turn this around. And I sought business mentorship and the way that I justified the cost to myself was I'm going to blog everything this guy tells me. And I'm just going to teach it to all of the other gym owners for free. And I did that for three and a half years. Every day I had a blog. It was called don'tbuyads.com because that was the first thing he told me. And eventually I started getting asked to show up at gym owners conferences and speak. And I did the first one and I thought I better bring a handout. I had nothing. And so what I did was I just took my most popular 20 blog posts, self-published them. This was before Amazon even did self-publishing and ship some copies of the book down to this conference, handed them out for free. It was a a garbage publication. It had no page numbers, but that book sold 26,000 copies. And it's still like one of my best selling books. And from there, we launched a mentorship practice that's now worked with 2,500 gyms worldwide. There's a thousand gyms in the practice. We have 70 different business coaches who are all successful gym owners. And it's the biggest like business consulting practice in the world for gyms. Yeah, it's a really cool story. I'm curious where the transition happened for you. I I remember reading The E-Myth and the kind of famous Michael Gerber essentially talking about how the baker can't be the one doing all the baking all the time. Otherwise, they, they can't grow the business. And the classic, if you're working in the business, you're not working on the business. Was there a an inflection point for you where you talked about where you got with all these different people working for you and teams and all, all the sorts of things I'd imagine. But like, how did that evolve? Or was that an easy transition? Take us back to that. Yeah. So literally, I thought that the first business coach or mentor who was going to help me was going to tell me how to do marketing better. I thought that the problem would just be solved with more marketing. And what he actually said was, Chris, your gym is not good enough to start bringing more people in. So don't buy any ads. And that was the first lesson Um, that I learned. And then he handed me a copy of the E-Myth. I'd never heard of it before. And we spent about two hours chatting about roles and tasks and moving stuff off my plate, like hiring a cleaner. And I said, okay, I don't know how to, I I can't afford a cleaner. I'm not paying myself enough. We're fighting over the grocery bill. Like, how am I going to pay this other person? And he's, you're going to hire a cleaner for three nights a week. And while that person's mopping, you're going to sit at your desk and you are going to send an email to your email list. Now, this was 2000. That's what I did. And the first night I made $400. And okay, that worked. And then the Wednesday night I made $1,200. 
And I started to get it. But that lesson about breaking down your time and, and investing your time in higher value roles has never really left me. And now in our company, there are people who make a quarter of a million to half a million dollars a year. And sometimes it's scary to hire people who are better than you are at their job, but that's what we just keep doing. A lot of our early clients were CrossFit gyms. And in 2018, CrossFit decided to kill its media department. And I had done some work for the media department in the past. I knew that these were very highly skilled people. I'd also learned from CrossFit that if you know how to build an audience, you'll never go hungry. That's the hard part. And that every business is a media business. And so I started hiring the people that CrossFit was laying off from their media team, including their editor-in-chief. And Two Brain immediately started growing from like a million dollar a year business to 2x, 5x, 10x. And we're still, we still look at media as our backbone. Wow. It's, I didn't anticipate it taking this turn, but I'd love for you to expand on that because that's not something that we've really talked about, which is the power of media. And in my self being in that business, what I see is that it seems that a lot of business owners aren't always connecting all of the dots between, or, or they don't really see or understand what what having their own media channel or media platform or you know whatever that looks like. So how did that? How do you think about it in your head when you're thinking about the power of media? You said that if you have an audience, you never go hungry. Can you just expand on some of more of your philosophies regarding how it can actually help a business grow and scale? Yeah. I mean, and I'll go even further, Hector. I think every business is a media business now. And I actually learned this from CrossFit. So I got hired as a writer. I just lucked into a job in 2012 for them. And they had a huge media team. They flew all of us out to San Diego, put us all in a hotel room together. And the first words of the founder of CrossFit, which was probably the most disruptive fitness movement of the last 50 years, first thing he says is, we are not a fitness company, we're a media company. And that really just shook me. What are you talking about? We're all out there teaching squats and pull-ups. What do you mean we're a media company? And over the next few years, working in their media, I got to see they had the biggest TV studio in Northern California. And it's when they stopped doing media all the time and publishing world-class video every single day. When they stopped doing that, that's when their decline started. And we started hiring people to come and speak. And like Seth Godin, he would come in and say, don't, don't try to figure out an audience for your products. Try to find products for your audience. Build the audience. And I did a lot of mentorship with Todd Herman, who wrote The Alter Ego Effect. And he's the one who said, if you know how to build an audience, you'll never go hungry. And so from what I from that, what I learned was like, if I can just keep building an audience and building trust within that audience, it doesn't really matter what I'm selling them. All I have to do is be close enough to them to understand what their pain is, have a conversation with them. And if there is an opportunity to solve one of their problems, like that's going to be my product. And yeah, that, and that's the same core philosophy we follow right now. Five years from now, I might not be selling mentorship anymore. Ten years ago, I was selling a course. The product evolves as we get better and better at solving our audience's problems. Yeah, it it makes it easy to continue to create products. I think some of the businesses that seem to do the best, they create like a almost a universe around their like an ecosystem, if you will, 
around their audience, where they're serving them in, in different capacities. How might a business owner, I think about someone who, going back to the baker example, when they're thinking, I'm so far from being a TV show or a radio show, or I'm not media, I make widgets. How, how do you help them to cross that bridge? Or how do you help them to see through some of those uh, you know, challenges? A lot of us were brought up in, in the world where the media was tightly controlled. There were a certain number of gatekeepers and becoming a TV star was like winning the lottery. But now you have a TV studio, uh, a radio station, everything right in your pocket. And all you have to do is publish often. My first content was garbage, but it got buried by better content. And then the better content buried that. And now we publish really great content every single day. The key though is that 10 years ago, publishing a blog every day, publishing a video every week or doing a podcast, that put you in like the 1% of businesses that were out there. Five years ago, that put you in the top 50%. Now, if you're not doing that, you're getting left way behind and you really have to like start getting your message out there, practicing something that we call help first, paying your audience or giving to your audience and building trust, and then they will buy from you. I'll, I'll give you a great example. So last night, our washer, our washing machine breaks. What am I going to do? Well, I'm going to Google it, of course. And the first video that comes up is, yeah, you don't need to buy a new washing machine. You need this little tiny sensor. It's $29. Click here. And here's the whole video on how to install. Look how easy this is. All you need is a Phillips screwdriver. Perfect. Click. Now that what that person has done is he's no longer selling washing machine parts in Ohio to the local three blocks around his store, he's selling washing machine parts worldwide. And it's not because he's better at selling washing machine parts. It's not because the parts are better. It's because he knows how to use media and that's it. Yeah. It really, I think there's a big shift because you talked about movie stars used to be like winning the lottery. I remember growing up and, and that that being like like the, the thing. And there seems to be this this hesitation with with people who have just done business the way they've done business. This is the way we've always done things. And I fear that as we head into this new world where there's AI and there's all of the the geopolitical and socioeconomic, there's so many things that are changing that to do the things just the way you've always done things, like you said, is going gonna, is gonna to leave you behind. Yeah, it's not for the last 120 years in the industrial age, businesses evolved incrementally. Now I'm in the newspaper. Oh, now it's the yellow pages. Now it's a billboard. As soon as the digital age happened and we started being able to see ad metrics and do retargeting, that was a tipping point. It's not like it wasn't one more step in the evolution. It was a whole different planet. And so the people who are really struggling now are not like the mom and pops who can't compete with Amazon. It's the people who can't get their voice heard or tell their story. And so the, the way that we tell people to take that first step often is just find one w place where you can help one person. Often a parent will come up to me at the hockey rink and be like, Hey, I just, I can't get rid of this 30 pounds, man. What do I do? And then I'll turn that into some kind of media, either a, a few blog posts or whatever. Or sometimes I'll just be going through the airport and I'll see a muscle and fitness magazine 
and I'll read the title and I'm like, that's false. So I'm going to go shoot a quick video telling the actual answer. And that's basically like where we come up with our ideas. And it's always just predicated on what's one thing that might help one person. Yeah, this is fantastic. I'm curious, you know, what, uh, when we get back from break, Chris, I want to ask you about what sort of things a business might need in place. Because like you said, this is really applicable to whether you're in the fitness space or whatever kind of space you're in. And so I'm curious for someone who is woken up and they go, this is, yeah, this is a good idea. I'd love to hear what your, your thoughts on are how someone might actually approach getting started. And so we're going to get into that uh, right after this quick break. Hey, y'all. Today's episode is brought to you by Amplify Media, and we are a content and podcast production company. We like to think of ourselves as genius makers or platform creators because chances are, if you're listening to this, you have a product, a passion, a mission, a message, something that you want to get out to the world, but you might not have the time, the team, or the tech skills like Chris does to do it. Well, if that's the case, we can help. Go to AmplifyMedia.com. That's A-M-P-L-A-F-Y Media.com. You can also check the show notes for info. And with that, let's get back to the episode with Chris. All right, Chris. So I mentioned off break that I'm this nerd that idolizes Walt Disney and Ted Turner for their seeming understanding of media and its power. And they've been, I think, the real innovators when it comes to turning it into a business as well. So for the people who aren't thinking of, I'm not going to be a podcast company, or I'm not going to be a YouTube company. I still want to sell my donuts. I still want to sell my wit. I still want to sell my what. What might, how might they approach it and, and how might they start? And I'd imagine that a lot of these aren't coming in with much tech or production skills. So is there a place or a, an easy place to get started? Yeah, I'm glad you said donuts because one of the Jeopardy questions last night was about voodoo donuts and people know what voodoo donuts are because they are a media company. So the best place to get started is to know like what you're actually selling. I'm selling information and guidance. So I'm going to use a blog because that's the best way to convey information. If I'm selling donuts, though, the best way to convey the art of a voodoo donut is probably going to be pictures. The fastest way to spread pictures is probably going to be Instagram. And so we look at media in three tiers. A-level media is the stuff you do once a year. That's a book. Maybe it's like a long form film. B-level media is the like the top tier media. So a podcast, a YouTube, or a blog. And then C-level media are your amplifiers. So those are your social media channels. So for example, every day we publish B-level media. I'll do a, a YouTube video, a podcast twice a week each. Those get chopped up and published 10 times as little reels or whatever on Instagram and Facebook. So if I'm starting off, like the very first thing I want to do is probably get on Instagram. Instagram to me is like the the highest value social platform right now if you're doing anything with like food or uh, hairdressing. You don't have to be creative to do well on Instagram, right? TikTok you have to be creative. And if you are creative, you're going to you're going to crush on TikTok. If your audience is more like information based or they're 40 years old, stick with Facebook. Like I'm good at Facebook. That's what we do is mostly Facebook. Does that help? Yeah. 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 I think that helping people to understand, okay, where am I going to put this stuff is really helpful. When yeah. Can you take us through how you guys developed that? You mentioned that you've got all of these 
different types, A, B, and C media. You've got teams posting out and different stuff. Mm. How did it start? What was the early iteration or the early evolutions, if there was one? The, the first was blog. And I, I write as like a form of meditation just to clear my head in the morning. And so I've never run out of stuff to say. Eventually, I had a thousand blog posts. And so I picked out the top 20 and that became a book. And that was the first like A-level media that we did. And a few years down the track, we realized that some people don't have time to read and they would rather listen. And so a podcast just basically became me reading my blog post verbatim, you know. And then we started doing YouTube as a recording for the podcast after that, as we acquired like video talent. So for us, we don't want to go into a medium at this stage. Like when I was starting out, the early stuff was junk. Just get it out there. Just get reps. But where we are right now, we have a massive audience. And so I'm not going to introduce like a new platform unless we can really do well at it. But to start off with, you don't have to be good at it at all. Yeah. So we we do have teams. Yeah. Yeah. It's important for people to know that it's not going to be perfect. I also, I was having a conversation with my brother and he's, he's got a a clothing line and e-commerce brand. And and we were talking about Instagram content. I want to, I don't want to just put stuff out that to just put stuff out. And he's, I want to create art is essentially what he got to God to saying it. And I'm curious how you might approach, how you might look at that, because I think so many people, they are, they're hesitant to put it out if it's not perfect or the lighting, or I don't have a good video or a camera or what about this or what about that? You know, when you're talking about just get it out there, just get reps, like how am I, is that kind of what you're talking about in terms of approaching that, that sort of fear? Yeah. Advertising used to be about art. Now it's about math and you really need to get the algorithm working for you. And so it's more important. Quantity is still more important than quality right now. Now with a podcast, you want to work with somebody who can make it sound good. So you're not like having a cat meow in the background, like I just had, or somebody's running the vacuum or you've got a bad mic, but the actual stuff that you're saying is less important. And we're right at this sweet spot in history where quantity is still more important than quality. Five years from now, that's going to change. Five years from now, you have to, you'll have to have like good quality stuff to even scratch the surface. But right now, if you're publishing every week consistently, you'll get better as you go. You'll bury the the bad stuff. And on the other end of the spectrum, the people who are really good at this are winning, right? They can do amazing. The key is that there's nobody holding you back anymore. There's no publishing house that's going to stop you from printing your book. There's no TV executive that's going to stop you from hitting upload on YouTube. You need to just get going. I think everybody should work with an audio producer. That said, you can do this on your phone. You open up voice notes, you keep it brief, you talk about one thing, you stop recording after five minutes and you upload and you're done. Share it with your mom, share it with your clients. That's it. Yeah. The ability to when we talk about podcasts, we think about podcasts doing three things. Of course, it creates content and the ability to create a lot of content. But outside of that, it can really establish relationships. And that's something that happens outside of what we're talking about here today. The second thing it create is real thought leadership, though, and an ability to separate yourself and position yourself within your audience within your prospects. I think that for a lot of people, especially who listen to us, they're service-based businesses and 
the sales cycles are longer. They are looking for ways to shorten those. Media and podcasts can really be a, a great tool for that. We really commonly hear, I'm a fan of your podcast, or I read your book 10 years ago. We get that all the time. And that's the thing about media is it compounds. If somebody reads something, even if they don't buy from you from for five years, when they're ready to buy, it's going to be you that they buy from. And I think that's like super duper important. The other thing that a lot of business owners forget is that their most important audience is their staff. And so they don't create enough media to build affinity with their staff or to build authority with their staff. And I learned this from the founder of Thumbtack, and he's also out in San Diego. I went to visit their office, and they had gone from 40 employees to 400 in a year. And he was having trouble aligning them, maintaining his culture, keeping people on mission. And so he started this daily private podcast that was three to five minutes. He would record it on his phone while he was driving into the office. Here's what we're working on today. Here's our biggest challenge. Here's our greatest opportunity. And people loved it. And so I do that now with our mentor team every week. I have a five-minute podcast just for them. Here's something that came up, and here's the way one of your teammates solved it. I loved it. Hope it helps you. And so even if you just start with like internal media, that can do so much for team cohesion and getting everybody working in the same direction. Yeah, such a great point. Internal podcasts, I think, are that's the next thing. After everybody has an external podcast, they'll start creating ones internally for their employees. Because oh. I've seen it work wonders for teams. I hope so. You've got a captive audience, probably an hour a day. As people commute, they're listening to something. They're listening to Alex from Mosey on MySpace. Everybody's listening to Alex from Mosey or, or something else. And then, oh, here's five minutes from the founder of Two Brain Business talking about something that's going to help me in my job this week or talking about a new partnership that we're working on or whatever. It's just awesome for them. And I get so much good feedback on that from my team. It's great. Yeah. This has been a, such a fun, uh, selfishly valuable conversation, Chris. Thank you. If people want to go and, and get more from you, dive deeper into your world, where's the best place to do that? If they're a gym owner, twobrainbusiness.com is the best. If they're an entrepreneur who's not a gym owner, businessisgood.com is probably the best. And that's a passion project. It's just us giving free help to people who aren't in the fitness space, which is our niche, our area of expertise. But there are definitely lessons that apply broadly. And if you just want to get your entrepreneurial fire lit a little bit, that's what businessisgood.com is there for. So... Cool. We'll link all that up in the show notes. And for Great. everyone who stuck with us today, we appreciate you being here. We would love and appreciate it. Be grateful for a rating or review wherever you get your podcasts. And if you know someone who is scaling a business, who's in the, the midst of, of that process, um, send them this episode, hit that share button and let them know that you were thinking about them and that the episode might help. And as always, we appreciate you being here. We'll see you on the next one. Later, y'all.